Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the League Life Podcast. My name is Sam Shnazzy, they call me Shnaz. I'm here with my good friend and colleague Nathan Brooks. We also call him Brooksy. Brooksy, how are you doing this morning? Very good morning to you, Shnaz. I'm well. I finished House of Cards, which I've been banging on about in the last few episodes. You have been banging on about it. Great series. Yeah? Yeah, it was a very good finish. Yeah, it's worth worth watching. How has your communication online been with our listeners? Yeah, and good. Very good, Schnaz. They've been amazing. It's good to be able to do the banner back and forth about episodes, characters and stuff. And I appreciate all the feedback, guys. Thank you very much. How was Nev Neve Campbell? Yeah, she was good. She's back, baby. Okay. Okay, I look uh, yeah, forward I think, to it. I think she's probably got a running role in the next season as well. Hey, Brooksy, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. We had our end-of-season drinks for NBL, like all the statisticians from the NBL department got together. We had a few drinks on St. Patrick's Day, conveniently enough, which was good. A couple of three-pointers there? Oh, geez, yeah. A couple of swishes, that's for sure. But yeah, I also caught up with a mate who had his birthday. I went to this place, Hotel Palisade at mm-hmm. Miller's Point. It's an older pub, the back of the rocks there. Great cocktail bar up the top. And you can look over the bridge and the city. I suggest if you're taking your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your wife or husband, really good cocktails, really good drinks, a great view of the city. Um, I suggest you get there. This is more uh, tourism thoughts from last week. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I think... Like, I've had a bit of feedback saying that it's good to hear, like, what you're up to, like, so that people can follow us. I think it's a good opportunity to tell some people of the great places we go to, Schnaz. Well, speaking of that, Brooksy, I went down south to my motherland, if you will, in the Shire uh, last Friday. And uh, myself, my partner, and our little boy, Chester, we caught up with my fellow Sharkcast friend, Newman. And his wife, and they've got a very young daughter called Matilda. And we went to a place called Huxley's. And Huxley's is a new sports bar in Caring Bar, which is uh, where I spent the majority of my life growing up and living life. And I can safely say that if this place had been around before I left the town, I wouldn't have been leaving. It's amazing. It's probably the most authentic American-type sports bar I've been in in Australia. Brilliant food booze the sports viewing is off the chart college basketball was on when i was there brooksy and a whole bunch of madness yeah so anyone in the shire or who's heading down there huxley's and get this brooksy you enter through a pizza joint and go through this kind of hole in the wall almost speakeasy and then you're in the actual sports bar it's, nice. But it's two different establishments. Ah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, you'd love it. You would love it, Brooksy. I've also had a bit of time in my hands, Brooksy, with young Chester. And, you know, you'll find this out when you become a father. Me being the experienced father now that I am. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly busy, but there's also some downtime areas where your baby's asleep on you. Or, you, you know, just there's a lot of downtime where there's not much to do but watch TV, which you know I like doing. And I happened to catch an episode of Seinfeld. Oh, which one? One of my favorites. Yeah. One of your favorites too, I'm going to suggest. The Library, Season oh. 3, Episode 5. Definitely. That is one of my favorites. Now, if you've seen Seinfeld, you would know it. If you haven't seen Seinfeld, there is something wrong with you, and we need to fix that straight away. But basically, the episode revolves around Jerry and an old book that he hasn't returned to the library. Oh, the Tropic of Capricorn? Or, yeah, that's right. Or the Tropic of Cancer. They couldn't really work it out. The main star of the show is actually, how would I put it, Brooksy? Not an extra. The main person is not one of the big four. Oh, yeah, I know who you mean. But it's Bookman. Bookman, the librarian. <laughs> it's like a ice cream man called Cone. And his <laughs> scenes, there's two or three scenes where he absolutely dominates. And we're not talking this up. You know, you can hear it for yourself, but amazing scenes of dialogue between Jerry and Bookman in particular. We should add some of the clips throughout the podcast today, Shnaz, if we can. Yeah, we can do that, I think. Yeah, nice one. It got me to thinking favorite episodes of all time, and it's really, really hard for me to pin it down because I'm such an obsessive, as you are. Yeah. There's not really an episode I don't like. And that's, yeah. that's the absolute truth. But I don't know. Have you got any thoughts? Top top three favorite? Three that stand out for me are the library, mm-hmm. the marine biologist, oh. 
That's one of the speeches. We're going to put that in there somewhere throughout the season. And the Hamptons. You love the Hamptons. The Hamptons. Yeah. The shrinkage. Got to see the baby and Kramer with the lobsters. Like That's <laughs> awesome. I think for me, also the raincoat double episode. Yeah. Uh, whenever there's a double episode, oh, they're usually the, pretty good. The Keith Hernandez Keith one Hernandez is amazing is strong, too. Yeah. There's so many. We could, we could do a separate podcast that, on that. Maybe chance. we could do that in the off season. Yeah. The podcast about nothing. The podcast about nothing. 71, that was my first year on the job. Bad year for libraries. Hippies burning library cards. Abby Huffman telling everybody to steal books. I don't judge a man by the length of his hair, the kind of music he listens to. Rock was never my bag. But you put on a pair of shoes when you walk into the New York Public Library, fella. Now, Brooksy, as much as we want to talk about Seinfeld for the rest of this episode, we can't. We're here to talk about rugby league. The game we love slash are frustrated by sometimes. We do love it. Uh, and again, it hasn't disappointed. It's been a really, really crazy week of rugby league coming out of round three, going into round four. And opening round three, we had a really big win to the Cowboys and a, a disappointing loss to the Roosters. It wasn't without effort, but 40 nil is, is 40 nil. Can't, you can't dress that down anymore, 40 nil. We did talk about the way... Parramatta handled the Cowboys and they rushed in on that left side but I saw a few early tries Kenny Dow really stood off Linnett and Morgan and Thurston and that really allowed for them to run right down that left side early on I've got to say Brooksy there's nothing that frustrates me more in rugby league watching it particularly when I'm at a game than a center slash winger but a center in particular standing off his man like standing back and then running back as they're coming yeah. towards them. Uh, it just makes me want to jump the fence and tackle the guy. Mm. I don't know if they coach that way sometimes. I'm, I'm sure in some instances they are. But, you know, we've got a guy at Cronulla, which we might get into later, Ricky Latelli, and he just... He, he, he won't attack the man. And if he does, it's always at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean Kenny Dow has a very much similar problem, and they face that against the Cowboys. Like, it really let them down. Yeah, you could see the Cowboys really put in a good effort after that loss to the Eels. Everyone stood up. Tamo was amazing. Their forwards were unbelievable. Yeah. They're, oh. get, they're getting so much out of Scott Bolton and Ben Hannett off the bench as well. Continue on with the whole keeping the same, most of the same squad from last year. That They're just playing well. Like Ethan Lowe had, didn't really have a solid game, but the others around him stepped up. And this is what teams are going to have to face throughout the year, that they might shut down one player particularly in the... And then there's going to be another five that will be able to step up. Speaking of that, Brooksy, here's a true story for you. Uh, we've got a punters club at Fox Sports, which you're not involved with, and I apologise about that. Yeah, thanks for the invite. It was my turn, my turn on the weekend, and one of the bets was we had Gavin Cooper to sc- just to score at any time in the, in the game, and everyone but Gavin Cooper scored, including his almost twin, Scott Bolt. They're the, they're the worst ones where everyone around him, it's like playing Keno and you've got that number and it's like <laughs> highlight every other number around it's highlighting up. Siosia Tukiaho, I think it is pronounced. Uh, please uh, let me know if it's not. He's been amazing for him the first three rounds and I think he started out on the bench against the Rabbitohs and now he's in the starting lineup in the back row. He has provided, I've been looking at the numbers, he's been so consistent over those three games in terms of making meters for the for for the team but also getting involved with the tackling aspect of it i think he made 35 and in saying that too i just wanted to throw in a stat i think jake friend had 62 tackles in that game and that's the most in a game this year you know they've had they had to work hard they had to even though they led in 40 points they were still making a hell of a lot of tackles. that's why i mentioned before it wasn't without effort you know certainly a dominant performance by the cowboys and those forwards were just impossible to stop but the Roosters, they tried hard and they're missing a lot of cattle and, you know, experienced cattle as well. Sometimes I watch the Roosters' Brooksy and I imagine trying to tackle Takiyaho and it sends shivers down my spine. He's just a giant of a man and he's going to get better with age actually, I think, too. And I, I've liked him since he came into grade, I think it was last year. So they're not without hope, the Roosters, and we're not putting a, a pencil through them just yet. You think because you're a celebrity that somehow the law doesn't apply to you, that you're above the law? Certainly not. Well, let me tell you something funny, boy. <laughs> you know that little stamp, the one that says New York Public Library? Well, that may not mean anything to you, but that means a lot to me. One whole hell of a lot. Semi Radaradra, the man of the match against the Bulldogs, it goes without saying. Two tries, one try assist. 
and just a remarkable performance. Uh, without him, you think it would have been a lot closer. It could have possibly been a Bulldogs win. Yeah. It was it was a great performance, and he has shown what type of a player he is. He, that second try was his fiftieth in his fifty second game. Schnaz, he's he's nearly won a won a game. Is there a chance that they might move him from the wing in the future? Do you think? I don't know. Because at least one of the tries was scored in the fullback role. I think he's good enough to be able to chime in in the middle of the field, you know, and, and do that. Maybe that's an option that they sort of shuffle across. He can come in on one side and play that role and allow Norman and Foran to, you know, set, set up on either side and have Gordon operate down the other side. So, look, it, it adds another dimension to their attack if he, if he does. And that's what I think Brad Arthur was is probably investigating that and probably will over the course of the... Yeah. Michael Gordon's been really good for them. He provides a lot of um, stability for them, for Parramatta, as a defensive fullback and as a goal kicker. As an attacking fullback, he's probably getting to that age where he's slowed down a touch and he, he won't be anywhere near as dominant as someone like Semi would be in those roles and in those um, sweeping plays. And I think that's where they can use him. They can alternate. But let's get to it, Brooksy. Should he or shouldn't he? 100% not. I think he should be representing Fiji. Look, it's down to him, and it's down to what he wants to do. Has this just come from the media? It hasn't come from Semi, right? The questions have been asked. He's probably started getting the heads up that he couldn't... Because he's in contention for Australia now, that he's that he's played three full seasons in Australia, including like New South Wales Cup or where, wherever he was beforehand. But the ruling for Origin is that it's your junior club football. Yeah. Yeah, so and he grew up in Fiji playing... Exactly. Right. That's exactly right. So, so really what you're telling me is he may have been asked the question by a New South Wales official or something, but really you're telling me probably an ageing editor at one of these newspapers has gone, oh, I think that this guy has to play Origin, otherwise the code's a joke. Can we get the graphics department to superimpose a Blues jersey on him and we'll put that on the back of the paper... And we'll drum up the support so we can get him in. Look, Schnaz, the main points for me are that let's try and grow the game internationally and let's have Semi as the face of Fijian Rugby League. Like, I think that's imperative. We've got to start growing the game in the Pacific even more because obviously rugby's growing now that they've got Japan and even Argentina. Like, they're going to look to the Pacific next. And growing that, so let's let's start getting some of these faces to represent the countries that they've come from. The NRL is obviously based in, mainly in Australia, so these players that come from the Pacific, they get three seasons under their belt in the NRL, are going to be eligible to play for Australia. So it's inevitable that there's the eligibility is going to be there. So let's try and look after those countries that teams are going to go out. Like we mentioned with the Knights, like Mick Potter is now coaching the Fijian national team let's say the knights unearth or let's say mick potter unearths a few players from that national team puts them in the knights three three seasons later they're eligible to play for new south wales oh, sorry for australia like that to me is taking away what's important and that is these players representing those areas and growing the game in the pacific it's also making special allowances for special players and i don't know how i feel about that because he's he's a really special player and from what I can tell, a great role model. But it's New South Wales v Queensland. There's already been enough kind of, you know, Greg Inglis is from Cronulla and whatever. There's already been enough toing and froing. There's so much talent here, Schnaz. Like, there's so much talent. And yeah, so you're not only denying someone of origin that right, but also you're saying that, oh, the first American player, Jim Wilson, he's playing for the Dragons, and he's played for three years, and he's so good, he's going to play for the Blues, man. So like the NRL to just make it up as they go along. I should say, by saying that, this is more media speculation. So if the NRL was to allow it, it wouldn't surprise me for those reasons I just said. This is a big thing for Todd Greenberg, which we haven't touched on yet. Welcome to the role, Todd. But this is something that he needs to look at over the next few years because you've got the likes of Sam Burgess and Semi Radradra that represent countries but have now, they've been out here for a while. Are they going to be origin-type players? Now, it was also a big Friday night because the bunker 
had its first controversy, although it wasn't really the bunker, it was more the refereeing. Was it Matt Checkin refereeing? Yeah, I think it was. So Sam Cassiano popped the ball out to the winger and the winger crossed over for a try. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. I think it was Sam Parrott. And they went upstairs and he said, I've got a try, but just te- check if the ball was touched in the air. The bunker ruled that it was a no try on the basis that it wasn't touched and it was a forward pass. And as we know from previous seasons, the video referee wasn't allowed to adjudicate on forward passes. Now, were those the words used? Don't quote me as them being verbatim, but they, along those lines, yeah, the, the, basically, the, went upstairs to see if the ball was touched in flight so that he could, and, and he gave it a try. If it was, then it would have been a try, but it wasn't. So that's where they've ruled a forward pass and that it was a no try. And so now we have probably, what, 50-50 divided on whether that's the right thing to do or not. Well, that's the question, Shnaz. It was within, with the rules, it was the wrong thing to do in terms of getting to that outcome. But when we look at it, it was the right call made on the play. Now, I'm from that school, Brooksy. That's where I grow up and that's where I live. Let's get the decision right no matter what it takes or how long it takes or what avenues you have to go down. Because we can't just be allowing tries that are not tries because the video ref's not allowed to do that. I think it's opened up a massive can. It has because obviously they cannot rule on all forward passes due to probably what camera angles and that kind of thing. But you would think the majority of cases they could rule conclusively on. If that's a grand final, do you want that to be a try or not? That's that's what I come back to. Is it a grand? If it's a grand final, your team's going to win or lose on that decision. I want the ref calling it a forward pass. Well, that goes without like, saying. Like the touch he needed to be involved there, I think he was in the play uh, in the in the decision to go upstairs, and that's what put the element of doubt in Checkin's mind. But look, I, if he calls it a forward pass. You got to go, like you know. I, I think he's he's made his decision. Move on with the game, and you look at the high, like you look at the replay of that play, and the ball's travelled forward. It's just I, I think the referees are using technology way too much, and there's two of them out there now. It's been what the third year in which that's happened. They can't have this straddling the fence approach, and and this is what's frustrating that for fans, and I can see Bulldogs fans lament over this whole process that yeah you got it right but you did it illegally to get that can we can we change the rules then can we change what do you want to change them but that's that's where they haven't acknowledged that yet i'm happy for them to change it because you just use the word illegally and i'm thinking they got it right yeah but but they can't adjudicate on forward passes and well that's just a that's just a sentence in a rule book let's get rid of it exactly and that's what something they should have addressed pre-season they should have they should have looked through the rules of what the video referee can and can't do from prior seasons and then gone, okay, what can the bunker address now? Can you tell me why they go up to the video referee with a decision, yes or no? Why, why do they have to do that? Yeah, that, that's interesting. This is something that they probably should have, should have looked at before. That has influenced um, tries in the past. Not so much this year, but in years gone by, that has definitely influenced where they, they've said, we cannot go against your words, so we're going to give it. Yeah, that's probably something they should have looked at. Again, this isn't really a bunker problem. It's a refereeing problem. Brooksy, Saturday was interesting. As you've called it, comeback Saturday. So the Knights were down 18-6 with 23 to go. They salvaged the draw 24-all for their first points of the season. Congratulations to the Knights. First point of the season, sorry, should I say. (laughs) Shouldn't uh, get too far ahead with the Knights so far. Oh, geez, sorry. The boys of the Steel City podcast will be on your back. (laughs) The Panthers were down 22-6 just before halftime, ended up getting a 23-22 win. And the Titans were down 10-0 after 17 minutes and then scored 30 unanswered points. Hey, Brooksy, that's three upsets, I'm going to say, because given the way we thought some of these teams would perform this year, as well as how they have performed, particularly the Knights, great stuff. Uh, Brisbane losing the Penrith, that's an upset, surely. Definitely. And the Titans... Scored 30 unanswered points, as you said. That's a great effort. Um, remarkable Saturday 
Very exciting for all the viewers on Fox Sports. You know, this is where I get frustrated as a fan, Brooksy, because my team, for example, blew two points on Monday night at Brookvale. I don't care if it's early in the year. You bank your points now when you can. Every game is an opportunity to make the finals. We laugh about the Knights getting a point, but that point could help them later in the year. It might not. It might go against them. But I thought an outstanding effort. Penrith as well. I mean, they'll be close to making the finals this year if they're not in there. And that is a remarkable win. Uh, Griffin seems to have got them going. Yeah, well, I guess the first two teams, the Knights and the Panthers, were 0-2. And they're desperate to get some points. So salvaging the draw for the Knights was good. Panthers obviously getting the win against the grand finalists from last year is awesome. Both teams had a debutante that somewhat starred. Yeah, Corey Dennis got a double on debut for the Knights. Both set up by 200-gamer Jared Mullen, who had a really good game uh, leading the team. He's someone that has to stand up this year for the Knights, particularly now that we see that their squad isn't probably as good as the rest of the league. And Tamare Martin for the Panthers scored a try, kicked the winning field goal. Late inclusion somewhat for the Panthers on game day. So, yeah, it looks like there was. we've talked about him. He had a good nines. He was playing really well in the trials. He's played well in New South Wales Cup. He's had some really good form to get this start, and he's carried it on into the NRL. He's an outstanding talent. He not only did not let his team down, he won the game for them. He does remind me of young Benji Marshall, who he's going to face this week, you would think. His defense is actually pretty good for a young, sort of slight fella playing in the halves. But his interview after the game was really, really great. Humble young man. Our colleague, Nathan Maguire, the head Panther himself at Fox Sports, his partner is a season ticket holder, and she was sitting right near the father of Tamari Martin, and he was in tears, apparently. Steve Martin? I don't think it's Steve. I'm not sure of the gentleman's name. But he was in tears, and everyone was just making such a fuss, and it would have been such an emotional, amazing moment. And that's what excites me. It does. It is. And it excites me, Brooksy. I wanted to tell you about this. It excites me this year, the young players not only getting a shot, but living up to the hype and the exposure. That's what it's all about. Like... We can watch the Jared Mullins year after year, and they are entertaining, and they are great athletes. But the thing that spices it up for me is your Tamari Martins, your Corey Dennis's, your local juniors, you know, coming through and, and, and living that dream and then winning matches. It's what it's all about. You and I used to dream about it. We didn't quite reach those heights. Well, I used to dream about just wins in general for my Illawarra Steelers, like... We went on some dry, dry runs there, Schnaz, particularly in the late 80s, early 90s. But I, I hear what you're saying. It was great to see. And it, it seems like these Penrith games are unearthing some good talent with Kieran Holland and uh, now Tamari Martin in back-to-back weeks. What about that? So a great Saturday. The Titans as well. You know, they're, they're surprising a few people. And again, if they can just keep winning every now and then, if not more, they can bank up enough wins to, to be in contention which no one gave him a shot at. Schnaz, if they score more points than the opposition, they've got a great chance of winning games. You know what else they've got? Ignatius Parsi. I was looking at the forward pack again, and under their circumstances, they've put together a really nice pack. When you think about it, you've got Shiloh, you've got Friend, you've got Parsi, Bird, McQueen, you've got Ryan James, you've got um, Luke Douglas, like, and I'm missing Zeb Taylor. Like, that's eight quality forwards there. Like, they're not stars, but Livaha Pulu, which we talked about in the preseason, who could be a little, you know, diamond in the rough there in future seasons. So, on the back of their pack, they could be, you know, they could go really well. If they can win those home games, then they've got a great chance of making the finals. But, yeah, we'll see. It's only early days, but two and one, it's impressive. Maybe we can live without libraries, people like you and me, maybe. Sure, we're too old to change the world. What about that kid sitting down, opening a book right now in a branch of the local library and finding drawings of peepees and wee-wees? Brooksy Sunday was a big day as well in the rugby league world. The Storm went to 3-0, and while the Warriors went to 0-3. Again, much like the Roosters-Cowboys game, the scoreline and the result didn't necessarily suggest the true indication of the game. The Warriors really put in. They went super close. Melbourne were just a bit too clinical and 
my boy Cooper Cronk scored a great field goal before they scored a, a try at the end. The thing that stuck out with me, Shnaz, is Marika Korobetti, I'm going to say it right now, is going to be the try-scoring leader this year. Can he play Origin? No, he won't be, and that's why I think he's going to be the try-scoring leader. He he's great. can pick a try out of nowhere, and he's, that last try that you were talking about, he swooped on that loose ball and ran it back 60 metres. We've talked about Craig Bellamy and what a great coach he is, and you've seen the rise of Marika from the West Tigers to Melbourne. When he's at the West Tigers, he was a try-scoring freak. Now when he's at Melbourne, he's a complete winger. He does the kick returns really well. He can defend bombs. His defense has improved a lot in the wing, and he's a really, really great winger, one of the best in the NRL. They deserve to be 3-0. They've played very well. They, they've, The opposition, they've had the Dragons. They've had New Zealand, and they had, oh, sorry, the Titans in round two. So... We'll wait and see. I, those three teams, you know, they're, they're okay sides. Um, between them, they've got three wins so far. Uh, but I want to see them play the Bulldogs, Souths, a lot of those good teams that are coming through early on in the season. So we'll see 3-0. It's impressive. They're always starting well, the Storm. We're looking at the stats and they're, they're either 3-0 or 2-1 and to start the season. So, again, this is probably expected that they're here. The main game on Sunday, the game of the day, as they used to call it, was your Dragons against the South Sydney Rabbitohs in torrential rain, really horrendous conditions, which kind of suited the whole history of it and everything. You were out there. You were representing the Red V. Red V is part of you. It is. And I got into my car and it was teeming down with rain. Most people get a bit... Oh, rain. I had a massive smile on my face, Shnaz. I knew what that meant. And that meant it was going to be a close game. Because if that was dry, I think South would have uh, been 3-0. But look, the Dragons put in a stellar performance, I thought, in under the conditions. like They weren't going to win that game scoring points. And they had to limit South. I, I was hoping that they'd limit, limit them to about 14. Uh, I don't think we could have scored much more than that. And it, it proved to be pretty much right. 8-6. It was a throwback game, a real grind fest. You, the cricket pitch was a big puddle by the 30th minute of the game. Some really good performances in the forwards. Uh, Josh McCrone was a late addition for the Dragons. He he did his job. He, he played well. I think he was playing on a bit of a bum ankle for the last 10 minutes. And he held up uh, Aaron Gray on a try. He's quite a strong guy. Like I, I went, I was down that end where where Gray went to score. He lifted him up and held him off the ground, like, and then all the players rushed on top of Gray. And it was just those sort of defensive moments that helped the Dragons get the win. And look, without Benji, there was talk that they probably wouldn't have put many points on, and they didn't. But Gareth Widdop's kicking game was really good. I think he forced like three or four dropouts. Yeah, you you played wet weather football yeah, it, much it better was, than the other mob. It, it was a, I think it was a blessing in disguise that the rain came down for him because, uh, like I said, I think they probably would have gone zero and three if it was a dry game, and the knives would have been out for Mary. They just need to keep rolling with this win now. Now, we had a very unfortunate injury to Sam Burgess, which now looks like is not going to be a serious one at all. They're talking about him being back in a week or two, which is good news. But the TV images, which I saw, were uh, very graphic. And you were at the game, and you saw the, the full picture, obviously, being there. The coverage, I thought, was, was way too intense. I know Sam Burgess is one of the key figures in the game. I know that Channel 9, who were uh, filming and showing all of the uh, visuals through Fox Sports, they love Sam Burgess, and we know that, in all seriousness. But we saw it. We saw the media, again, go another step further than what they probably should have. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing. It was up on the big screen there at the game, too, and there were so many South fans that were worried. I felt really bad for him. I immediately thought of, like, the family. Obviously, the South fans as well, like looking around and they showed Julie Burgess up on the big screen and I thought that was so tasteless, like to show that. I know that's a moment that... I think Brooksy the first time was kind of okay in the sense that they found her and, and, and I can live with that. 
But then they, they went back to her and she was crying and then the friend was trying to cover her face yeah. from the media and, and that's when I thought, you know what? That's too much. You had your moment. Yeah. You got... Just don't add to the drama. Like it's. I understand what they're trying to do, but they need to have some morals at some point in their lives. But is it is it the production team's duty there to... Is it concern for her or is it good TV? No, it's good TV. You know, it's, that's what, no, there's, that's there's what no, it is. There's no and, concern at all. It's good TV. And, and we're not going to change that world that we're living in now, but... Some at some point, someone has to draw a line and go. You know what? Fair enough. We're going to show Sam on the ground, and and yeah. and, and and we'll have some faraway shots of what's going on. But they had a camera right above him. Yeah, the Look, spider cam. The spider cam was yeah. looking down. And and what worries me about that, Brooksy, is that for all we knew, that could have been his last moments as 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 his life was. So he could have maybe been injured a lot worse. And we would have all been privy to that, and he would have to see that for the rest of his life. And and people don't think about they don't think about the future. They think about now, and they want that moment now. You brought to my attention that night and the following day the media hanging out outside the hospital trying to get the latest news, but they were also doing other things. Yeah, there was like tweets about how they were standing out in the rain and stuff, and it's like. Guys, like someone's in the hospital. They've been in that hospital overnight, just their life flashing before their eyes. And you're tweeting about getting wet and how you're waiting for a press release or whatever from the hospital, taking photos outside a hospital to send to your thousands of Twitter followers and stuff. Come on, get real. Like, this is where we're at in terms of some of the journalists in Australia. And Show a little bit of respect in the situation too. Like this guy and his family are going through a hell of a time off the back of what's happened to Alex McKinnon. Like this is a close call. Yeah. This is a massively close call that could have ended his career and changed his life forever. Yeah, we had heard prior to that that overnight he tweeted and said the scans have come back and it's good um, good news for him and uh, and his family. But yeah, like this whole like oh, look at me, like, oh, I'm in the rain covering the Sam Burgess story, like, oh, I'm getting wet. Like, get a grip, yeah. seriously. I mean, journalists these days, they probably want to be stars themselves and they see it as a way to, like, get their head on TV and that kind of thing. And we've come a long way since there was ever really some decent league journalists around. There are a couple around, of course. Yeah, I watched a really good... This is... I'm, I'm diverting away from league at the moment. I really like this dark comedian, Anthony Jeselnik, and he's someone that will not hold back in saying things. And his latest stand-up on Netflix, you'll be able to watch it if you've got it, is called Thoughts and Prayers. And it's on the proviso that people send out like thoughts and prayers, tweets and stuff. Like, oh, uh, like I know what happened in Boston and, and San Bernardino, but look at me. Like, I'm sending out a tweet about it. People like it. People retweet it. And it's so it hits the nail on the head with some of that, and that's that's what it reminded me of straight away, Schnaz. And I was like, Jezelnik, you've you've killed it right there. You've got you've nailed it on the head. I'll need to check out this Jezelnik you speak of. We also had the situation of the Dragons warming up during the delay of the game. Now, yeah. that's probably less controversial, but more just a bad decision in hindsight. Yeah. We've seen it before where there's been delays in games for whatever reason. It could be weather, or it could be injury, it could be a number of things. It could be after a national anthem, so to, so to speak, and and the teams do like a minute or two of, of drills. And yeah, But you were out there and you saw the boys warming up for a few minutes, at least after the incident. There was, a, there was an element of respect there, like, don't get me wrong, but I just, I, I think they should have probably held off on that a little bit longer. You know, they could have done it after he was in the medicab, you know. And and I understand it was cold, it was freezing. I was up in the grandstand warm and not wet. So, I look, it's probably me blowing up a little bit. Simple solution, Brooks, is the captains talk to the ref and say, we need two minutes to warm up. Yeah. They both agree to it. No one's going to care. The broadcasters aren't going to stop it. It shows a lot of respect for the situation of the player on the ground. And that's what I, th- I thought that lacked a little bit of that. And it was a bit disappointing as a Dragons fan to see that. You know, we haven't touched on it yet, but GI, and I don't think we need to touch on it that mu- much. It pretty much speaks for itself. 
uh, going for the, taking the one option down by two. You know, I, I heard someone on Facebook made an argument for Greg Inglis that he was doing it for four and against, even though that South had, I think they were plus 80, that um, plus 79 would have been better than plus 78 after round three. Like, that's worse than the Greg Inglis field goal attempt, I think, justifying through for and against. Brooksy, you know what's really, really on my mind is the fact that my Cronulla Sutherland Sharks cannot win over the bridge. What a bunch of morons. What are they doing? <laughs> Seriously. Win the game. You're up 8-0. You've got 100% of the ball. Oh, we can't win. We're at Brookvale. Oh, my God. I remember because I was in for work. I think it was the 10th minute. Like nine minutes and forty seconds were on the clock when 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 Manly made a meaningful run. Yeah, and you were talking. And the funny thing was, you were talking about the derby where we didn't use the ten minutes in the bin to do anything. <laughs> yet you had pretty much ten minutes with all the ball and converted eight points. Yeah, like that. Uh, very anyway. disappointing. Very disappointing effort. Execution is way off. Effort is mostly there, but I just I think Manly wanted it more. You know, we yeah, saw they needed it. They needed it. We saw Trent Barrett. Everyone was loving the scenes of Trent Barrett, and he's a good guy, and he's going to be a good coach. Uh, but yeah, I was pretty disappointed as a fan. I got to tell you, and 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 it's a bit of a reality check for all the fans who have them in the top four. You know, the Cronulla fans. They got a lot of a long way to go, and I I said to you before on this podcast that the forward pack is a really good forward pack, but it's probably not as good as what everyone makes it out to be. And and the fact that they carry a centre on the bench, Gerard Beal, is a real problem for a lot of people. And then we have the coach coming out and saying, lucky I carried the centre because our centre was taken off with concussion. It's like, mate, just put an extra forward on there and yeah. be done with it. Jason Pecuia can play centres. A whole bunch of guys can play centres if need be. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next month. The Shark, he's got a, you know, more tough games ahead and they need to start winning some games, so... My takeaways from the game, there was actually a moment where I was surprised at Gerard Beale. He brought down Marty Tapao close to the line with an amazing tackle. And I didn't realize he had that strength in him. I, I, I guess that's why he might be on the bench, that he he can provide some good tackles. He brought him down. like I, Schnaz, I don't know if you remember it, but he just ripped him down to the ground. And he didn't like it wasn't that he was continuing to carry Beale. He actually brought him straight to the ground, and it still sits with me. He's an international player, and he's on the bench and struggling to sort of get there sometimes, the 18th yeah. man, and there's one solution that the majority of Sharks fans are crying out for, and that is he plays centre and Ricky Latelli doesn't. But I'll tell you what, that you mentioned the crosses to Trent Barrett. If they want more viewers, they're going to get the great scenes of him celebrating tries, but the ladies will be oh. frothing for those crosses really? up to the box. He, you talk about Cooper Cronk. You talk about Cooper Cronk. Yeah, I do talk about exactly Cooper Cronk. Exactly right. I, I think Trent is my Cooper Cronk. Really? Yeah, well, he was the Illawarra Steeler. He's now, unfortunately, coaching Manly. He looks like he's, he looks like he's ready to get there and play, doesn't he? He, he is. And, and I actually tweeted that out during the game Should when Manly were down and it was looking like their third loss. And I said, maybe Trent should go to 5-8th and Dylan Walker should coach the side. And I put it up on a poll and I think 89% said, yeah, let's do it. I definitely voted for it too. And and I reckon he could go out there straight away and and get one or two tries in his first game back after years out of the game. But yeah, I think he's got to be the best looking coach in the NRL by far. Ah, best looking coach. And possibly top five involved with the game but yeah i want anyone out there on our twitter account facebook instagram you name it to send us who you think your hottest rugby league player is can i vote yeah you can vote we know who you're gonna vote for but you can vote yeah no worries but uh yeah i think i think trent's got to be up there if you think this is about overdue fines and missing books you better think again. This is about that kid's right to read a book without getting his mind warped. So, Brooksy, this weekend we have round four of the National Rugby League 2016 season. So far, so good. What we have this weekend, though, is three of the last grand final 
matchups occurring again this weekend. How good's that? Yeah, it's good. I think it's good, and it shows you that you know that anyone can win on any given season. We could have another two separate grand finalists this year. So obviously, we've got last year's grand finalists, Broncos and the Cowboys playing each other. We've got the 2015 Grand Final, Rabbitohs Bulldogs playing on Good Friday, and we've also got the Roosters v Seagulls, the 2014 Grand Final on Saturday. So we've got, yeah, we've got six different teams that have vied for the last three Grand Finals. So who knows? Imagine if it was Dragon Sharks. Imagine the podcast. It'd be unlistenable, I think. <laughs> be a lot of shouting. <laughs> and this is why I'm going to win. No, this is why I'm going to be celebrating. Oh, I'm going to be down at Huxley. Oh, at least I've got a home ground. Oh, do I have a home ground, though? Yeah, we'll see. Mm. Yeah, so we've got those three games. I think Rooster Seagulls, there's a, there's a W hanging there for the taking, and the Roosters need it. That'll be interesting. Broncos, Cowboys, Suncorp, that's got to be sold out, doesn't it? Like Anthony Milford had a great game against Penrith. There's going to be a lot of media focus on that, particularly north of the border, obviously. But yeah. that Ben Hunt and Jonathan Thurston and so much drama that they're going to yeah. be uh, they're going to be frothing at that one, aren't they up there? Oh, definitely. And then you've got the Rabbitohs Bulldogs. Remember last Good Friday? I do, Nathan. It was just. The Bulldogs had like four guys suspended after that game. I was lucky enough to write the match notes this week for that game for all of yeah. our commentators and media people. And I did a paragraph on the game last year. And the paragraph is the longest paragraph in the world, which you might have to edit today. So look out for that, Brooksy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, high drama in that game. There was the Isaac Luke try, which was a... Not a penalty try, but an eight-point try. There was some good knuckle pointing from James Graham. Yeah, and then he took out Adam Reynolds. Yeah. Ha you know, asterisks there, depending on what fan <laughs> you are. And then the world ended. Clemmer went berserk, Alicia, the fans. So It was Marbo, it was the vibe, it was everything. That will also get huge. some uh, highlights this week, I think, before the game. Some, some replays, some headlines. Yeah. We have uh, Tigers v. Eels, which should be pretty good. Yeah, and, and Raiders-Titans, there's some teams there vying for some really good records heading into round five. So Tigers and Eels are two and one. This is going to be a good start for one of those teams with a win there. And the Raiders-Titans, well, you know, if the Raiders win, they're still undefeated. Three wins are set with seven points, three wins, one draw, and the Titans are going to be three and one if they win. So, look, the, the Raiders at home again, this is their third home game. Remember last year... We keep mentioning it. Only three wins at home. So they could equal... They could match it. Yeah, yeah, they could match it this week in round four. And hopefully the fans will turn up for that game. Um, and also, yeah, Tigers-Eels, like two of the high-scoring teams in the competition. You know, the two Eels are 2-0 and o with Foreign. Foreign's looking good. And we talked about Semi before. I, that one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely watch mm. from start to finish. We watch them all, though, really. Well, we try to. Yeah. You know, we're we're working and we're looking after little kids. Well, one of us is. Yeah. Not to mention and all the fantasy kids out there as well. Yeah, exactly. And I've got to go out and and test new bars and yeah, and and go on holidays. So you know, like it's hard to watch them all. It's a busy life at the league life. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. What else is happening, Brooksy? We're talking about the teams that were surprising. Then you've got you know four of the teams that are down the bottom of the ladder. In two big games, you've got the Dragons and Panthers who are both one and two playing each other down at Wollongong, which I'll be down there, Schnaz. Uh, the motherland. The motherland. One of our five home grounds for season 2016. You just zinged yourself. I love a good zing. Um, and uh, Warriors and Knights, two teams that haven't won yet. That's going to be a good game. Playing uh, over at Mount Smart. Seeing who gets up there, I think that's going to be, uh, could be make or break for the Warriors coach. How, yeah, it's funny because you've got Brownie and, and Andrew McFadden. And Brownie's pretty much, you know, got green light this season, you know, to, to rebuild, whereas it's the other side of the coin for McFadden. Now, Eric Watson, I think one of the, the majority owner of the Warriors, came out and said they won't be, won't be uh, turfing him just yet. That means, well, I don't think just yet. That means he's gone, there, doesn't If they lose to the Knights. Yeah. I think you've got to get... I think he's, he's got to call his secretary and go, Ivan Cleary, line one, please. You know what I want to see? I want to see Stacey Jones step up and coach him. Stacey Jones? Just for the rest wow. of the year, under no pressure. Yeah. Brooksy, my Sharks, 
My sad little sharks. They finished the round. They're at home at Southern Cross Group Stadium playing the Melbourne Storm. And it's going to be a tough game. I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing Cooper Cronk in the flesh, that's for sure. And I'm a bit worried. Hey, I, I think they took those milk crates away from the away changing rooms at Southern Cross when they did the revamp. Since time has been passing, I've been incorporating myself within that club, as you know, trying to get one foot in the door, which I do have. So I've got a, got a few mates down there now. They might be able to help me out. Look out, Cronky. I'm coming for you, baby. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a tough game for the Sharks. The Storm, Brooksy, impressive. 3-0, and only team that have won all three games to start the season. Do you think they've been the most impressive team so far this season? The most consistent, most clinical. Yeah, definitely. And as we've stated before many times, they start the year well always. But I just think when you have the type of player of a Smith and yes, a Kronk, that you're going to shine a bit better than teams that don't have that kind of class. Like, they're just world-class players. Players we'll be talking about for decades to come, and it's just it's hard to compete sometimes with those teams on a week-to-week basis. They're clinical, man. Like, they're, they're probably not going to score 30 points a week every week and smash teams. They're just going to go about their business and, and get those two points. They know so. how to p- adjust to the game itself, yeah. you know? Like, and that's, and that's what we've seen in the Dragons win, definitely. Even the, the Titans led early. They came back and... Again, with the Warriors, they they kept them at arm's length and then hit them right at the end to just actually nullify any sort of a comeback. You watch Cam Smith, and he's one of the coolest characters in the game, and he is That's so where it starts. he's so chilled and laid back in situations like that. Even when they're down by four and need to score with two to go, like he's just controlled and calm. Cronk's a bit more kind of a busybody around the middle and and and, and marching guys around the field, but. But Smith just reads the game so well. It's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I'm a worried Sharks fan this Monday night. Maybe that's how you get your kicks. You and your good time buddies. Well, I got a flash for you, joy boy. Party time is over. You got seven days, Seinfeld. That is one week. So, Brooksy, that brings us to the end of another League Life episode, episode 14. We're getting through them, and we love doing it. Thank you to everyone who's been in touch on social media and via email. We appreciate each and every message. Brooksy, how can people get in touch with us? We're at League Life NRL on Twitter and Instagram. We're The League Life with Brooksy and Schnaz on Facebook. You can catch us on SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com forward slash League Life NRL and iTunes, just search for League Life on the iTunes store. People can subscribe as well. You can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave us a message, review us. Definitely, all of the above. And what other sound platforms are we on, Brooksy? We're on Wooshgar and the Pocket Cast as well as Stitcher now. So we've got a few out there. Wooshgar's like an Australian podcasting hosting site. And yeah, it's we're trying to get out there as much as possible to hit your needs and what you guys use out there. So if there's anything that we haven't put our podcast on, let us know. Well, Shanaz, it's a long weekend. It's Easter. Easter eggs is the main thing. I mean, you know, most people celebrate the life of Jesus Christ, but I celebrate Easter eggs and hot cross buns. What's your favorite Easter egg? Uh, I was thinking about it before, and I think it's it might even be a Humpty Dumpty with the <laughs> with the Smarties inside. Yeah, is that, is that that's a thing, right? It is. It's a big egg. I think when I was a kid, that you know, I mean, I didn't grow up in that religious circle, but my parents tried to make you know us as normal as possible, so to speak, and uh, and uh, acclimatize us to where we were living. And yeah, the Humpty Dumpty is a bit of my childhood. I think. Yeah, right. That I remember and. Uh, that would be my favorite, I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm a cream egg fan. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm going for my second wind of cream eggs. I think it was Easter 1997 where I ate way too many cream eggs, so I'm back on board. But I remember I was probably one of the worst kids at Easter egg hunts. I remember like thinking back that there was like, it was September and I'd find an Easter egg under the couch or something like that. Unless <laughs> unless my parents were hiding him in ridiculous positions going, oh, Nathan will be able to lift the couch and find that egg. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm heading down to see my family 
down in uh, Jamboree, mm -hmm. where you can control the action. Mm. And obviously heading down to the Dragons-Panthers games. But I'm seeing a band on Saturday night. A band, eh? My, my second gig of the year. I saw Disclosure earlier on. You're really getting out there, Brooksy. And now I'm seeing one of my favourites. And I think you don't mind them. Oh, you dabble in a bit of them. The Cold War kids from the States, LA. I dabble in them because you talk about them so much to me. And, I, and you've influenced me a little bit, which I appreciate. And yeah, I, I don't mind them. But yeah, if you guys aren't aware of them, get on Spotify, SoundCloud whatever and have a listen they're quite a good band if you like that indie rock go to a store and buy their Pretty album good. maybe buy their album oh, yeah I think that would be good or, get, or if, you, if you're there give me a shout out maybe we can have a cider watching the band beforehand and talk about House of Cards and talk about House of Cards and, and hopefully some rugby league mate wouldn't that be your dream night <laughs> let's make it happen people if you're yeah. going to Cold War Kids in Sydney on Saturday night Sydney. at the Metro yeah. tweet us and tell Brooksy what's, what the situation is and he will have a cider with you and talk about House of Cards. I think that's, that'd if be... If you come, either don't stand near me or bring earmuffs or ear... What are they called? Uh, earplugs. Earplugs. You're a bit of a singer. Because I'm the worst singer in the world. You're going to sing along to every... Oh, yeah, because it'll be loud and I'll sing. Okay. I just, uh, there's, I'm going with three other people. I have fear for their night. Oh, i got to tell you, if I'm that guy near you and you're out of tune, I'm going to let you know politely. <laughs> hey, buddy, I paid X amount of money to be here. Shut the hell up. You're a bit of a Larry David social assassin when it comes to gigs. I can sing in tune. No, you're a bad singer. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have the microphone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope you have a great time, Brooksy. I know you will. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. I oh, thank, thank you. you for joining me. You thank me. It's getting awkward. We'll be <laughs> back again real soon. Marcus, bye for now. See you. See you later.